Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hi there, today I'm in the company of an expert coach, sound healer, vocalist, author of Coaching for Performance Excellence and host of the Soulful Sound podcast. Some of her work includes empowering conscious, soul-driven creatives and entrepreneurs to generate meaning and alignment in their work and life. Simone Niles, it's so lovely to be with you today. How are you doing? I am doing exceedingly well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have a conversation today with you. Yeah, me too. It's great to connect with you. And I'd love to start by asking you a little bit about your story and how you were led into the music industry, voice coaching, and then sound healing. Yes, well, my story is an interesting one, one that I know is quite rare for a lot of people. In fact, the the thing is, from the age of seven, I knew that I wanted to be a singer. I knew that sound was going to be part of my path, and I pursued it with everything I had through school, through college. And it's something that I knew would be, you know, I'd like to say it was my calling. It was this something that was pressing on me throughout my life. And so I moved to the UK at the early age of 21 to pursue music, uh, did my training here. And then I started teaching Um, where I went to college. um, In fact, I said, look, I want to teach here when I graduated. Um, And they said, look, go away for two years, get some practice and everything, and then come back to us and we'll take it from there. And I wrote that in a journal, the exact date that they told me that. And two years to that day, I came back and I said, okay, I've done this, 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 and this, I'm ready to teach. They said, all right, how about you come on on our deputy list and we'll see how it goes. And then three weeks later, I was teaching full time. So I was in that uh, teaching space, teaching voice and technique and learning more about the music and how to help people in performing. And there were some really interesting things that came up for me around the performance, which is where I started to lean towards. And that was about this space where we can authentically express ourselves as people in general, but definitely as performers, because often we focus so much on the headpiece, how to look at technique or how to stand or gestures or all the things that are very important. And I often found that the expression piece was left out, certainly in the way I was taught and then the way I began teaching. And then I started to explore how can I help people to tap into something deeper and really be vulnerable with their expression out into the world. As my my career progressed, I did backing vocals for loads of artists, a lot of session work. Um, my background was as a studio um, backing vocalist, so a lot of my my work was singing harmonies and so on and so forth. And it led into arranging choirs and MDing some of the choirs at the universities that I taught at. So a really beautiful journey until the point where I felt, okay, there's more to sound than I actually thought. The impact that it has on people. We all listen to music and varied genres and we think, oh, I really like this or that doesn't resonate with me. And I wanted to understand a bit more as to why that is. Why is it that someone's going to enjoy this classical piece and someone else is going to be like, no, I prefer heavy metal or I prefer blues. And what is it about that? And as I started to expand my reading and my my consciousness around that question, it's when I started to realize that there's, there's actually science behind it. And sound healing is the path that I took to honor being in alignment with my, myself, my evolution, but also to answer the question, which is a cont- continuous question answer of what is it about sound 
that impacts us so deeply, not just on a emotional or expression level, but also a physical level when we have feelings in our bodies, when we hear certain sounds. And so that's the evolution starting with sound. But that was that has been the backbone of everything that I've done from as young as age seven. And you you seem like so driven from when you first had that kind of calling at age seven. Yes. How did you maintain that drive? And were there any points in your life where you found your motivation dip? Sure. I mean, the motivation dipping came usually from external influences where people's doubts or views, especially growing up in, um, I guess I would say this is probably still the case for many, but in a time where the arts weren't as recognized in certain ways. And so singing was a hobby. You could do this if you want to do it on the side. But what's the real job, right? What's the real thing that you're going to do? And we hear that sometimes now, which is such a shame because, you know, I think we are realizing more and more how important this is and this work is. I think those would be the only moments in my life where I, I sometimes varied and, and veered off sometimes, but not a lot. What kept me me on that path though was a really deep yearning and knowing that this is what I was here to do. Also a level of curiosity that I thought, well, you know what, I don't know what this where this path is going to lead, but I am led very much by joy. And often, even today, a lot of the decisions that I make are based on, is there joy? Do I'm, am I feeling joyous about this? Can I cultivate joy in this experience and create joy and share that through whatever it is that's happening? So for me, it was such a joyous thing to sing. I would come home and I'd, when I was in primary school, I'd climb trees and sing in the trees in nature. That was profound. I used to skip my language classes in college and head into the auditorium where there were incredible acoustics and I'd sing there. And I actually left college early, leaving languages because I really, really wanted to sing. And much to my parents' um, surprise at the time, you know, I'm leaving college, I'm going to sing, I'm going to pursue music. I was very fortunate to have supportive parents. So I was able to take that step and taking that step actually for me it was very it was very hard I, I took a lot of courage but in doing so it just allowed so many doors to open it almost felt serendipitous like as soon as i made that choice to honor the call and to answer it it was the world opened up for me in a beautiful way it sounds almost like you had to challenge social conformity in a way of like you need to go to college and you need to finish these subjects and then you yes. go do this and you you kind of face that with where you felt your alignment was yes for sure you know what i always say in that path of alignment that when you start to align with what feels true to you and what you really deep down desire not the should feel like or should have or should want but the actually real truth and only you as an individual will know what that is i think there is often um what i like to think of as these tests to see are you really ready to step into alignment and that can come in the form which it did for me as the the societal but it can also come from even just a, a partner or a parent or a friend anyone else outside of you who has doubts about you your choices you have to decide well that's that's fine you know where is that coming from they love me they care about me they want me to succeed however 
their doubts and fears are not mine unless I make them mine. And so for me, a lot of the time, it was choosing to believe in myself, choosing to believe that I'm okay to fall and get back up. I wasn't afraid of fail. I wasn't afraid of failure. In fact, over the I don't know thousands of students that I've seen in my lifetime so far, I can guarantee most of them will say that Simone says failure is feedback. And I lived that. I didn't care. I thought if it didn't work, then I'll figure it out. And as mentioned, and, and you've just mentioned it again there, this topic about the importance of meaning, authenticity and alignment in work and life. What would you encourage a voice teacher and ultimately a business owner to consider when defining this in their own life? And, and as well with the background of like cost of living crisis, like that we have to pay for things in life. How do we align all of that to get the life that we want to be living? Right. So for me, it is I like to think of alignment and alignment with that authentic knowing, desire, want, need in some situations. It's really imagine that you're going in and out of a revolving door. It is a dance and it's a continuous and consistent dance between the outer world and your inner inner universe, I like to say. And by that, I mean that as you grow and evolve, your goals change, the things outside may change. So it's not static, it's not linear. And so with that, it means coming into question first with yourself. So if you're a voice teacher, for example, I've had moments in my my career as a coach where I thought, well, I'm not sure that I want to teach beginners anymore. I'm not feeling joy anymore. This isn't working for me. And I, I go into that questioning. What is it about this that's not feeling fulfilling anymore? And the answer was, well, you know what, you're teaching the same thing over and over again. Yes, there are different people, but the basics are the basics, this and this and that. So the first thing I asked myself was, how can I change these things in the current setup that would allow me to feel more fulfilled? When I do that, very often things align. When you do it and things still are not aligned and you just know, then you're able to say, right, well, I need to change the context. But it's a constant questioning and dance between what it is that really feels true to you. And how do we know what feels true to us? Because I think that's a pretty, a pretty big question. The thing is that we have this inner knowing. So we, I, we talk a lot about this from a uh, neurolinguistic pro programming um, perspective, a kinesi kinesiology perspective, and then even just from an energy perspective, that when you are attuned to your intuition, there is a body reaction. Very often we know the difference between what feels like a yes in our body and what feels like a no in our body. And sometimes this takes practice and more attuning and things like that, but ultimately we know. And sometimes it's a really small tell. So for example, if I said to you, oh, here's a, the, a plate of your favorite meal, and it's just like the best meal that you just absolutely must have and taste. Often I say, would you like some of this? Your response is to come towards it and go, yeah, oh my gosh, yes. Right. Whether you say yes or not, the body naturally wants to come forward to something towards something that it desires. It's usually relaxed as well. And usually the breathing is pretty um, settled and consistent. When it's a no, if I put, if you imagine the worst thing that you would never eat, uh, for me, that's like snails and a lot of the seafood thing, really, you know, intricate things that are interesting for a lot of people. My body, even talking about it now, is like, oh, no. And I'm pushing back and saying, go, oh, getting away from the thing that I don't desire or that doesn't appeal to me. So in our body and the way we are set up, we 
have a natural response to yes or no. So finding that alignment, if you ask yourself certain questions, you can sit with that and notice the way your body wants to move. Notice how the breathing changes. Notice if there's relaxation or tension in the body. And while this is not a cookie cutter approach, there are certain things that are, I would say, very common across most people. And that is definitely relaxed, moving forward for a yes, back for a no, and also steady and consistent breathing. So I think to kind of summarize everything I said and to answer that question, how do we get aligned? First, we ask ourselves what we really want and lean into that take motion in that do we need to take change the context or can we just stay within it but change us in the context and our approach in the context Mm. and that actually makes me wonder if there are limiting beliefs around a truth will the truth still come through as a feeling or will the limiting beliefs cover that and make us just think or decide, no, I don't want that? Or will the truth kind of still push through those kind of more negative mindset setups? Yeah, that's a great question because limiting beliefs often come up in our internal dialogue. Oh no, you can't do that. Or who are you kidding? Or whatever language comes up when you challenge yourself to go outside of your comfort zone and to learn something or to change something. So yes, the limiting beliefs can affect you. But what I find interesting is that The way the unconscious mind works is that it really doesn't, it's not reasoning, it's not logical. It's just storing all the files that we have and that we've created through memory, sensory acuity and all the different things. So imagine if you were to ask yourself in a moment of shifting, of transition, what are the limiting beliefs that are coming up right now for me? What if you actually faced that question that you've asked? What happens if the limiting beliefs come up? What happens? Or are there any limiting beliefs? The, the, the thing that's really interesting about that is that the answers actually do come. You do know when you're trying to talk yourself out of something most of the time, not always. And of course, a lot of what I'm sharing does take a level of self-awareness. It takes a level of self-inquiry and it takes some practice and consistency to actually notice these things. But I think I like to think as the of an overflowing box as opposed to or overflowing glass as opposed to half empty or half full. I just think we have those resources within us and we just need to learn to enter into conversation more with ourselves. So what are the limiting beliefs or what are the beliefs that I have about this or questioning? Okay, something in me is saying no or is resisting this. Is this fair rail? What is this about? The answers only come when you ask the questions. And as you start asking questions, you then learn to refine the questions so that it becomes clearer. And you also mentioned in terms of a feeling. So again, we have feelings in our body. We have feelings going on that gives us information. And you'll have to kind of sense into what that feeling is because we have a lot of different states of being that can translate through how we feel in our body. And very often we're not quite sure, but this is again, getting to know ourselves, getting to know what what anger feels like in the body, what happiness feels like in the body, what whatever emotion might feel like in the body. There is something there and there's information there to be mined for sure. And also, I guess it's kind of cutting or or breaking down that emotion into its foundation. There's not just one version of happy there. There's a collection of all these things together. And you could maybe if you can pick out the fact that actually you feel a bit excited about this thing, but there's also fear and uncertainty, then at least you can recognize there is some happiness or some excitement that you can 
cling on to and, and know that it's there for a reason. Oh, for sure. And I think for me, emotions are energy in motion. They're just energy states. We feel energy in our body moving in a particular way, which affects our physiology, again, our breath, things like that. And often, you know, with performers, I, I, I talk a lot about this in my book, this uh, being afraid of nerves, or I'm really, I've got some stage fright, I'm, I don't know if I want to get up on stage and perform. These things are natural occurrences. We've all experienced some level of anxiety around performing, I think, at some point in our lives. And I rather encourage people not to resist it, but to recognize instead that optimum performance comes with a certain level of arousal in the body of adrenaline pumping through the blood and so it's not turn it off it's get it to a level where it's not going out of out of control or chaotic and i like to visualize it as these little mini cheerleaders in the body saying go simone go go and then sometimes they just go a little bit too crazy and i'm like all right i love the support but calm down a bit you know personifying that as a, a supportive feature rather than a hindering one We've been speaking um, a little bit at Bast HQ about the overwhelm that a voice teacher might experience, um, whether that's a voice teacher who looks online and sees other voice teachers who seemingly know exactly what they're doing. They seem really confident. They've got courses coming out, the overwhelm of how many courses and masterclasses there are to attend. Or it could be even somebody who wants to become a voice teacher, but just feels like they can't get started until they know every bit of detail. And I'm gonna put my hands up and say, I feel that on a weekly basis, the kind of limiting beliefs, I guess. Um, what would your advice be there to those teachers to find a little bit more balance, alignment with what they want whilst they're kind of sifting through the, the, the parade that you see on social media? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is that overwhelm is usually associated with us feeling, thinking, visualizing, using our senses that something is bigger than we are. Often it starts with, this is too big for me. And so it either feels heavy, it feels too much. And of course, with social media and anything external that feels like there's so much stuff out there, how do I even start? Or how do I get into this and join the world of everyone else doing it and be successful and all of these things. The first thing is to not make it bigger than you. And I say that means bringing it back to one step. As long as you know what that goal is, whether it's to sell your first course or to become a qualified teacher or whatever it is, whatever the bigger goal is right now, you want to reverse engineer back to right now. What is it that I need to do in this moment right now, today, tomorrow, this week, next month and leading towards that goal so that I am taking steps in the direction that I want to go? That obviously presupposes that you know what you want but let's say that you do, then the first thing is really bringing it back into the present moment. Anxiety is usually born in the past or the, or the future. It's not usually present oriented. So if we can come back to the present moment and ask, what can I do right now in this moment to move one, you know, just one little movement of the needle or one step towards that goal, what would it be? And it takes a lot of the focus away from what feels big. And for me, that's already very good, a good way of dissolving some of the overwhelm that we feel. The other thing is, and this is a mindset that I spoke about earlier, is developing the mindset that failure is feedback. So what if you went out there and it didn't work? 
if it's something you want, all you're doing is saying, well, I'm just going to experiment. Imagine if scientists went into the lab and then when something didn't work, they were like, oh, I'm giving up. The whole point of their work is to experiment and experiment and just take note of the information that comes out of the experiment rather than always looking for an outcome that is this is it, this is it, this is it. So I like to think of this for, for a singing teacher, and I do this a lot in the sound aspects of vocal play, linking vocal play and improvisation with the experimenting of everything else in life. So whether you are a singing teacher or an entrepreneur or someone else doing completely different things, what if you were to be more free and improvise with your voice? So improvising takes courage, right? There are a lot of people who are afraid to, to improvise vocally or to play with the sounds that they're not used to or to come out of their comfort zone. And a lot of that is based on the fear of failure or the fear of messing up or not you know, having a driven outcome. So I say the outcome is important, but once you've set that intention, play en route, have fun en route, experiment en route, and know that all of it's part of the journey. You stop and you refine as you go along. And it's so applicable to also managing the rejection that comes with <sighs> performer and audition. Yes, yes. yes. I, I often say if, you know, if you haven't had a lot of no's in those audition situations yet, you know, you, it, this is this is actually really building your character, the no, just as much as the yes. So it's rather than seeing it as a negative, it's just seeing it as part of the process. This is building your character and allowing you to move in a different way in the next time and refine. And hopefully people do that rather than going away. Disappointment's normal. I wouldn't say don't be disappointed. You're allowed to feel disappointed, but don't let it stop you from coming back to the board you know it's it's really about resilience and resilience it's an interesting one it's built in the fire it doesn't happen when you're just chilling and lying on the beach resilience is when you constantly are facing the the, the challenge and you're constantly knocking on it and getting knocked down and getting back up and knocking at the door again and, and that's a rinse and repeat situation but that's how resilience is born so don't be afraid of the nose the rejection and and i coming from my spiritual background i often think as well all in divine timing if this is for me no one's going to take it away if this is if this is really for me this role this job this student then it's mine why would i fight why would i fight the tide and the flow of of what's happening and so when that when i think in that way most things just feel magical and in the flow because that's just what that's the preset that i've given it now you don't have to use the same preset but choose a preset Decide what it is, you know, we talk about wearing rose-tinted glasses and you seeing everything in this particular way. What if you could put on some glasses that would allow you to see things in a particular way that served you? I'd say put those glasses on and see the world or an experience through that lens, definitely. And you also work a lot with finding your authentic voice and also yes. this unique sound print. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you're exploring that at the moment? Yes, I, oh, I love this topic. Thank you for asking that question. A lot of the work that I do in sound healing, um, including training sound healers, is specifically around the voice, is understanding, let's say first and foremost, stripping it back. There is a very big difference between singing and sounding. So when we're in a sounding practice, there's no judgment. 
It's not about how pretty you sound, if the note is, is on pitch, if your rhythm is accurate, it doesn't matter. All of those things that are head-based go out the window when you're sounding. And when you sound with intention, it has a beautiful and powerful impact. So the work that I'm doing around the authentic voice, a lot of finding your authentic voice comes through vocal play again, noticing and sensing into, but it's understood that we all, just like we all have a unique fingerprint, we all also have a unique sound print. There's no one that has the exact voice that you do. And you can imitate, you can play with, you can move resonance, you can do the, you know, uh, what's, what is it? People who, go out there and do the covers and all of these different things to try to sound like an artist. There are ways that you can create those similarities. Yet, if you were to measure your voice and your frequency in a machine, you will see that the sound print is not identical. As close as it can get, it's not identical. However, the work that I do is helping people come back to what's most natural to them, what feels most authentic to them, especially again, let's say in a world where every genre, every song, all the things are available that are available to us now to sing, um, we sing and we enjoy, but it's not necessarily what is most natural for, for our tone, our voices, our, our being, our soul, and how it is that we wanna express ourselves in the world. So a lot of the things that I'm interested in, and this is something that I'm looking towards doing in a PhD in the near future, is to understand more about that vocal resonance, that soul sound, that's a lot about my brand, um, and understand what is that unique sound print that we all have. In a sound healing and energetic landscape, when you are in your authentic sound, you're also vibrating in a, in a healthier state. So imagine if you can sing your way into a healthier state, sound your way into a healthier state, into feeling more harmonious rather than dissonant in your life. There are ways to do that vocally with, with other, you know, also listening um, to certain frequencies and sounds. And a lot of the compositions that I do are all about that, bringing people into certain states through listening and through sounding. Sounds great. And where, where are you going to be doing your PhD? I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm thinking of a few different universities at the moment, per, perhaps in the well-being music, um, music therapy side, but I haven't decided yet. I'm in the process of finding some awesome supervisors. And once I have a sense of where they will be able to help me, then it will help influence as well where I'll do it. Right. Yes. And we mentioned before about the fact that you authored the book, Coaching for Performance Excellence. Yes. So can you talk to us a little bit about performance enhancement and how you guide yeah. a singer to, to find their, their kind of top game level of singing? Yes, I mean, the book, gosh, it's like 10 years old now. It's, it's amazing to, um, to still be able to dip into that and, and um, be able to share that with people. It really is, for me, this book was all about um, really looking at mindset and physiology and understanding how the mind learns and works so that we're able to facilitate the best in situations. So it's for anyone performing, whether it's a singer or a dancer or an athlete, it's understanding how to get the best out of their mindset, their mind and their body in order to achieve what they want in, in, human, in, in their performance or their skill. Um, what I would say is there are things that people want to look at, and this is kind of broken down quite a lot in the book, is how they practice, 
not just what, but how they practice, how they deal with the nerves and anxiety, things like that, that come up, which is often the case, how to set goals and stay motivated and, produ and productive in achieving them. Uh, these are kind of the things that I've covered in the book because I realized again, way back when I was teaching that a lot of the focus was on the skill a lot of the focus was on how to hit this high note, how to belt this, how to do that. And then there was like, well, then you still get up on stage and tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm gonna forget the lyrics. So it was looking at how it works. And again, coming from a neuro-linguistic programming um, perspective, the unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality, which is why mental rehearsal is such a powerful tool. They did a lot of research, particularly in the sports arena, but it's the same in, in performing and music and so on, where they attached electrodes to an athlete's body. And they wanted to measure the sequence and um, also the, the speed at which the muscles fired off when they were going down and up from a sprint position. And so he did that, they measured it in the computer and they said, okay, now stand still and run through the exact sequence in your mind. And of course, what happened is it measured exactly the the same sequence and speed as he was doing it visually in his mind, just imagining it. So if you imagine how p powerful that is, I think if there is one thing that anyone can get from this and being able to enhance their performance quickly <clears throat> is to imagine the best, visualize the best, because it's something that we can do right now in this moment. And this comes down to seeing yourself getting up on stage or standing in front of a student and seeing it going well, because again, the unconscious mind doesn't know the difference. However, it's still storing all the files. It's still storing all the files because it's not saying, oh no, I don't like that one. I like this, no reasoning and logic. It's just going file, 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 file. So later when you are in that context, you bring out that file of everything going exceedingly well in whatever context or setting, and you're already setting yourself up for success. So there's so many aspects, but that's one that I would I would throw first um, for people to start thinking about if they're not already. That mental drive through all their exercises or whatever they're working on is still useful. It is because actually, similarly to the muscles, the muscles will move, your larynx will move, your breathing will change. These things will actually start to be affected as well, even doing it in, in that mental you know, arena and capacity. Mm. And with everything that you've explored mindset wise and to, to how it's led you to the work that you do now, what resources have been quite instrumental? What research have you kind of delved into that we could also go and look for ourselves? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a variety. The most the most uh, recent ones have been more around sound healing and understanding frequency. A really good book. I don't remember the name of the author, but the name of the book is The Humming Effect. Uh, John something, The Humming Effect. But it's a great book for singers to recognize, understand, and realize how powerful humming is because we do this in our warm-ups. We teach this. We hum around the house and but it's actually when you use it with intention can have incredible benefits on your health, including releasing certain healthy hormones and endorphins and all of these things. So The Humming Effect's a really good book. It's one of my recent five years. Um, before that, around mindset, I looked into um, performance, um, performance books that were not just around um, musicians. So like The Inner Game of Tennis, 
books like that that came out around sport and kind of married some of the ideas that I was doing uh, when I started my NLP training. I did my master's in, around this, this topic. And so there was a lot of interesting things that I could bring across and marry. So I would definitely say from a mindset and performance, those kind of inner game of tennis, the books that are all around performance and high performance coaching, um, a book by Brendan Burchard is one of my favorites. It's nothing to do with um, music performance, but it's about general performance and optimizing. And there's a really beautiful formula in there that people can use. Uh, from the sonic side, again, the humming effect's a good one. And I am definitely looking a lot into frequency, looking at cymatics, looking at understanding the history of sound. So there's a lot of interesting things that people can delve into. Um, I think like everything, it's all about curiosity and play. Mm. And yeah. at the time of our chat now, it's coming yes. up to, I think, International Podcast Day. So how Ooh. is the podcast going for you? And, and where's your kind of intention going with that? What do you want to do with your podcast? Well, I t I've done a, I did a year, a weekly episode for a year, I gave myself that goal. And then I took a little break. And actually, I have about six or seven podcasts about to drop, which is exciting. My podcast is all about celebrating leaders and teachers and healers and people going out there and doing the work to help others to be better and to heal. And so I have a really exciting um, podcast coming up specifically around um, one one woman in particular who I can't wait to share. She's a medical doctor. Her, and she's also bringing sound medicine into the world through DJing. I mean, it's incredible. So I'm really excited because I want to kind of go outside of the box or maybe just imagine there isn't one and break the norm of what sound can do. And for singing teachers, when you have some basic understanding of the power of sound, and I don't mean just from understanding it from an experiential perspective, because we all do that. You go to a concert and you're on a high and all of this, but why? When we understand the depth of that, we're going to be able to really shift and transform our students, not just vocally, but in other ways with more intention. So that's really beautiful. So understanding that why does dissonance feel a particular way in the body uh, when you're playing certain chords or the effect that harmony has on the body and the energy. These are all things that have been measured and science can show how this works. And so my podcast for me is about bringing as much as I can through other guests and my own insights and development different ways of using sound in a healing capacity therapeutically for transformation as well as some of the coaching nuggets that you'll pick up on general questions that people ask me in my community um, like we spoke a bit about you know how do you go get over the overwhelm i often talk about build the plane as you fly it just go and do and not wait for the outcome or I have something on the myth of um, certainty because there are a lot of people who feel like everything's so uncertain and actually certainty is a bit of a myth because we really don't know from one moment to the other what's going to happen. We do our best to, to have a, an element of control, but we need to learn to be okay with uncertainty. And there are a lot of different ways to, to go about this quest. So I'm excited to keep sharing and you know putting the value out there. I think it's, it's incredibly important for people to have access to things and resources and people um, where they may not normally. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, where can people find out more about you and get in touch? 
Well, I'm all over social media on um, the best place I would say is my website, which is my name, SimoneNiles.com, because then everything is there, my podcast, um, all the work that I'm doing. And I'm also um, teaching um, people to become qualified sound healers. So if anyone is called to look at sound in a deeper way or they feel like maybe this is a time to shift into the healing and therapeutic side of using their voice, then definitely check out the courses that I have coming up because they're incredible. It's a diploma. It's a commitment but then you can go out there and practice as a sound healer if that's what you choose to do amazing and with the sound healing um, and people yes. who used to go on that course what sort of people would they be working with what does it mean to heal through sound and what are we healing Yes, yeah, sound is a beautiful, non-invasive way of healing lots of different things from physical to mental, psychological, energetic. It works on an energetic level using frequency of the voice and other instruments. So people would be anyone. You can, you can, the world's your oyster. You can niche wherever you want. I have colleagues who are um, sound healers who are doulas. So they're working particularly with pregnant women. I have people who work um, as chiropractors and also bringing sound into their practice. For for me, people come with all sorts of things. Sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's past trauma, sometimes it's a physical injury that they got in sport. It really, it's it's very varied. So anyone feeling that they just want to be able to impact intentionally in a, in a more transformative way and intentional, I should say, because singing and, and using our voice is transformative anyway. But I think from a more intentional way of using it in that practice and in that context, the world's your oyster. Who do you feel called? To, to support. It might be that you want to be a sound healer and support singing teachers, right? Gosh, we need the support. So I think that that's an incredible way in. Mm, amazing. Well, Simone Niles, it's been so lovely to be with you today. Thank you so much Thank for coming on. Um, and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. I really loved it. Thanks. So did that whet your appetite? Want more of where that came from? Then quench your thirst for knowledge by nerding out in our store where you can purchase a whole host of specialist educational videos for singing teachers, from building your business to fixing vocal faults. Or join our membership to get access to them all in your own geeky CPD library. Head over to www.basttraining.com forward slash store to get going. That's www.basttraining.com forward slash store.